Hey everybody, how are you today? My name is Taylor and this is Morbid Academy. This week's episode is sponsored by my love for fall because it is fall and fall starts September 1st. Hogwarts starts September 1st. Fall starts September 1st. The leaves are falling. It is fall. Okay, just fall. I love fall and this is my podcast so thank you so much for listening and thank you for fall for sponsoring this episode also sponsored by my anxiety and, and not knowing what i'm doing with my life so head over to patreon.com slash morbid academy and consider consider donating to this to this podcast i'd really appreciate it thank you so much now back to the story last week i gave you six urban legends from michigan to start off our our spooky season this year and I didn't realize how many urban legends there actually are in Michigan and some that they're not even urban legends. They're just actual things that happened that are weird. I don't know, but there's a lot of them. So I decided to do a Michigan urban legends part two. So buckle up. Okay. Thank you. The first one I have for you this week is the singing sands of beta Gris. And this one's a little bit of a two in one because the area known as Beta Gris, which is a nature preserve of the Kewanee Peninsula, which is located in Michigan's Upper Peninsula along Lake Superior. If you don't know where that is, that's, if you look at a map of Michigan, you know, there's the mitten and then there's like the fish looking thing at the very top of Michigan. Well, the fin, the the pointy part at the very top of the fish looking part, which is the upper peninsula, that is where Beta Gris is. I don't know geography, so I hope that visual helps you. Anyway, Beta Gris in French means gray beast, and the area was possibly named after a gray creature that was spotted there by Native Americans many, many years ago, or it's named after after the story that Native Americans burned off blueberry bogs after the harvest and the smoke rolled across the bay and looked like a gray beast. One local has said that the beast could be seen running through the forest and along the beach looking for teens who are out at midnight or causing trouble. But who knows? As for the singing sands, let's get back to that. There's a local legend that says that the sands sing, and it's the voice of a Native American woman who lost her lover many, many years ago to Lake Superior. And now she calls to him when visitors to the beach play with the sand and it sings, and that's her singing to her lover, I guess. Also, I hate the word lover. Why? Just why? I don't, okay, whatever. Back to the story. The sands sing, when it's being played with, when it's being rubbed, that sounds weird, when it's being pressed down with your palms, or I guess it, quote, barks when it is struck. Okay, cool. But visitors to the area are encouraged to play with the sand to help the lady so that she can sing for her lost love. Now you may be thinking that, quote, singing sands is just like a natural phenomenon because sometimes when you rub sand together, it makes a weird, annoying sound. But when people scoop up the sand and try to bring it home with them, one, why? But it, it stops. It doesn't make the sound anymore. 
and other sands along that lake don't make the same sound either. The next story is that Michigan has the, quote, holy grail of shipwrecks, Le Griffin, or the Griffin. Again, another French name. This ship was built in 1679 and was constructed and launched near Cayuga Island on the Niagara River. Le Griffin had seven cannons and researchers believe that she was a 45 ton bark, which I guess is a type of sailing vessel that has three masts that are rigged in a specific way. I tried figuring out how to tell you how they're rigged up, but ship language and me don't mix and I had no idea what they were talking about. So I will just post a picture. It looks like a pirate ship. Okay, just think about that. But I guess nobody actually knows what the exact size of the ship actually is. The Griffin was the largest sailing vessel on the Great Lakes at the time and was built by René Robert Cavalier, Sieur de la Salle. Fancy French name for Lord of the Manor. LaSalle and Father Louis Hennepin set out on Le Griffin's maiden voyage on August 7th, 1679, with a crew of 32 sailing across Lake Erie, Lake Huron, and Lake Michigan through, at the time, what was uncharted waters that only canoes had previously explored. I'm going to skip ahead because there's a lot of details of the actual voyage that is not important to the ghost ship story. They just went traded for white men for Indian. You get it, okay? We just want the ghost story. So they arrived to an island on Lake Michigan, which is either Washington Island or Rock Island today. And it's like right off the coast of Wisconsin in September, where LaSalle decided to stay behind and explore the head of Lake Michigan and sent Le Griffin back to Mackinac Island, my favorite place in the world to offload merchandise that would be picked up by him on the return ship, on the return trip. On September 18th, the pilot and five crew members sailed for Niagara River and the ship was carrying about 50 to 60,000 francs or 10 to 12,000 dollars, which today is is either $760,000 to $910,000. So quite a bit of money, along with rigging and anchors for another vessel that LaSalle intended to build, as well as fur and whatever other merchandise that they were carrying at the time. And to this day, nobody knows what happened to Le Griffin. She just disappeared. It was never seen again after it set sail on September 18th. Some say that Native Americans boarded the ship and killed the crew and then burned her to the ground. LaSalle actually believed that the crew sank her and took the goods for themselves. Another story is that she was actually cursed by a Iroquois prophet named Metamek, I'm most likely saying that wrong, I apologize, who had said that the ship was a great threat to the Great Spirit. It said that the prophet warned LaSalle that she was doomed to sink and also predicted that LaSalle's blood would cover the hands of those he trusted. And in 1687, LaSalle's men mutinied and he was killed by one of them. Now, it's not that big of a stretch to say that the ship went down in a storm. The day that she set sail, it's actually recorded that there was a big storm that hit that area. 
Also, there are thousands upon thousands of shipwrecks that have been recorded on the Great Lakes. But anyway, for centuries, sailors on Lake Michigan have claimed to see a ghostly outline of a ship looking very much like the Low Griffin emerge suddenly out of the fog, but then just completely disappears when it looks like the two of the ships are about to collide. Others swear to see Le Griffin on foggy nights sailing out of Green Bay Harbor. Today, Le Griffin is known as the Holy Grail of the Great Lake shipwrecks, and because nobody has found her, there have been a number of sunken vessels that people believe to be her, and I actually found a couple articles stating that she's been found, but there's no evidence to say that, yes, this is Le Griffin, which I think is so cool. I didn't realize how many shipwrecks there actually are in the Great Lakes altogether. It's kind of insane. Let's pause right here for a break from our sponsor. Me, I'm the sponsor, wanting you to go to morbidacademymerch.com and buy merch. There are two shirts, Morbid Academy original logo and a shirt that says keep it creepy with a skull on it. It's kind of cool. And the shirts are so comfortable. You will love it. Like I've washed, I've washed the shirt twice and it still fits amazingly and it's still comfortable. Go for it. MorbidAcademyMerch.com. Now back to the urban legends. The third story I have for you today is that of the old Presque Isle Lighthouse. There's an area on the northeastern shore of Michigan known as the Shipwreck Alley, where nearly 100 shipwrecks have been discovered in a 4,300 square mile area around Thunder Bay. I have no idea what that actually means. It just means there's a lot of shipwrecks in a short area. I don't know. The old Presque Isle Lighthouse was built in 1840 as help to guide safe passage but it deteriorated quickly and a new lighthouse was built farther north just 30 years later in 1870, which was staffed for a hundred years before becoming automated. And the old lighthouse became a museum in 1977 with George and Lorraine Paris hired as the original caretakers. George passed away in 1991, but he didn't want to leave. His wife said that she first saw the lighthouse fully lit in 1992 despite all the wiring being removed or disconnected for decades. Since then, sailors, pilots, and people across the harbor will see the glow from the lighthouse, even though the bulb was removed. Many have also seen someone in the lantern room, as well as, quote, helpful coincidences around the lighthouse. A young girl has said that she was exploring the lighthouse alone and later told her parents that she had been talking to a nice old man in the lantern room but it was later discovered that she was the only one in the lighthouse at the time. When she was shown a picture, she said that George was the man she'd been talking to. Luckily, George is said to be nothing but nice and kind to all the visitors. But George isn't the only one who, who haunts the tower. Pictures from visitors show a face reflected in the lens, but it isn't George. It's actually a man named Don S. Old who had written a poem about the lighthouse in the 1930s. So about 40 years before George and Lorraine, before it was a museum and before George and Lorraine became the caretakers. 
there isn't any connection that I could find between Don Old and The Lighthouse except for the poem. Actually, when I looked it up, I couldn't find anything about Don Old at all. I couldn't even find the poem. So the fourth urban legend I have for you is called The Polding Light, an inexplicable light that shines in Polding, which is near a town called Sleepy Hollow in the Upper Peninsula. I didn't know we had a Sleepy Hollow. Why did I just learn about this? I mean, it's I'm sure there are multiple places called Sleepy Hollow, but you, why? So not only is there the legend of Sleepy Hollow in, I believe it's New York, we also have the Paulding Light near Sleepy Hollow in Michigan. Paulding is an area that is surrounded by dense woods and a stretch of northbound old US 45 highway just ends at a sign from the US Forestry Service that says, quote, this is the location from which the famous Paulding light can be observed. Legend explains its presence as a railroad brakeman's ghost, destined to remain forever at the site of his untimely death. End quote. I just realized that my candle went out. Did I do that? I probably did that. Cool. Baby. Cool. I'm just gonna... Did I finish that sentence? That the brakeman's ghost design is destined to remain forever at the site of his untimely death. So cool. There's a clearing that's made from the power lines and a service road that cut through the trees. And this is where the sightings of the Paulding light have come since 1966. The light is said to be a bright white light that glows deep inside the woods, changing size and shape before fading away. The first sighting was when a group of teenagers reported seeing the light to the local sheriff. And the most popular story is that of the railroad brakeman. The story goes that the valley once contained a railroad and the brakeman was killed while he was attempting to stop an oncoming train from colliding with railway cars that were stopped on the tracks. The area was a logging country over a century ago and locals say that there were a number of railroads that ran through the forest and the tracks are just now buried under brush and stuff whatever's out there it's buried okay some even say that the light is actually the train and the trace the train is a ghost itself which just reminds me of the ghost train episode of hey arnold do you remember that that's i saw it like two years ago and it still freaks me out i can't remember i can't remember the name of it i should have looked it up um but you know you know what i'm saying right right message me if you know Another story is that the light is actually the ghost of a slain mail carrier. And another says it's the ghost of a Native American dancing on the power lines. What if it's all 12 of those stories? There's only three. And yet another story says that it's actually the ghost of a grandparent looking for their lost grandchild, which kind of breaks my heart. And the lantern is the lantern that they used, which constantly needed to be relit, which is why the light seems to come and go. People have also said that the light is just swamp gas, something related to the northern lights, or maybe even something extraterrestrial. Hmm. And supposedly a group of students from Michigan Tech actually conducted an investigation of the light and were able to see car headlights from the viewing spot through a telescope, and that the headlights came from the north end of the observation area, which is about five miles away. 
They were then able to recreate the effect of the light by driving a car through a specific stretch of the highway. But I'm going to believe the paranormal slash supernatural part because that's more fun. Okay, cool. And now the last urban legend I have for you from Michigan is that of the Ada Witch of Finley Cemetery in Grand Rapids. There is a rural legend behind her that comes from the 1800s about a woman who was having an affair and would sneak out of the house at night to meet her lover. Again, I hate that word. One night, her husband pretended to be asleep in order to catch his wife in the act. And when she finally snuck out, he followed her and found the two in the woods near the cemetery. In a fit of rage, the husband attacked the two, killing his wife and then her beau. I'm just going to call him the beau. I don't care. Another part of that story said that the husband and the beau actually got in a fight and both died from their injuries, but I'm not sure. And ever since then, a woman in white, because there's always a woman in white, is seen in the family cemetery and the surrounding woods and has been deemed the Ada witch, which is like rude because there's nothing in the story that says that she was a witch. So rude. People have seen bluish green mists or orbs. They hear footsteps and a woman's screams. They've been touched by invisible hands, tapped on the shoulder, and have heard sounds of fighting and a woman crying. However, there is no credible evidence to back up the murder at all. And there is a grave there that people say that is the witch's grave. And for some reason they live, they leave little trinkets there. But the grave is that of a woman who died in 1870 from typhoid. So why people think this is her grave, nobody actually knows. Maybe mists appear around it more than others. Who knows? Again, the story is incredible. It's just, like I said, urban legend and creepy things happen in there, which I kind of want to go visit. Kind of want to go visit all these places, especially the Paulding Light, because there are pictures and everything of it. And I want to go see it. And I'm just going to believe the paranormal part. And I also want to go to the cemetery, but I, like I say in every episode, I'm terrified of everything, so it probably won't happen. Yay. And that, my friends, is the last of the Michigan Urban Legends. I hope you enjoyed these little tales, and I fully enjoy researching these little tales because it gives it a, like I said in the last episode, it gives it a break from the longer stories. And I plan on continuing this little series, I guess with other states. So let me know which state I should cover next. As always, thank you so much for listening. Please go rate and review the podcast wherever you do that thing. It really helps me out figuring out if you guys like it, if I need to do something different, if you have suggestions for me. It just really helps me out. And you can find Morbid Academy on your favorite podcast streaming apps with new episodes out on Friday. And the video's out on Saturday on Facebook and YouTube. If you would like to get the episodes early, first looks, bonus content, please consider donating to patreon.com slash morbidacademy. Check out the merch at morbidacademymerch.com. Follow along on Instagram and Facebook at morbidacademy. And please send me your own creepy tales or what you'd like me to cover in future episodes to morbidacademy at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you keep it creepy, friends. Bye-bye. That light went out too. What the heck?